Comments made on the Ceratoc Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Ceratech Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. Triple Click Home. Welcome to Triple Click Home, episode 27. These numbers just keep getting bigger and bigger every month. We could start going backwards. We could. <laughs> or, or or we could, like, you know, have our podcast, like, numbered in some other base, like, yeah, you know, base, hex. Base, yeah, hexadecimal. How about hex? We, yeah. can, we can number them in hex. That would be cool. <laughs> or only prime numbers. Can we yeah, do that? Yeah, prime numbers. There we go. Even better. Well, uh, 27 is not a prime number. We'd have to change it to Sadly, 29. no. 29? Oh, Roman numerals. Yep. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm Buddy Brandon, and I'm joined by our usual cast of characters. We have uh, Lena Roberts. Howdy. And we have John Panneries. Hello, everybody. And we have a fourth person. We have we have Allison. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. I'm excited. We're glad to have you. That's Allison yes. Hartley. Everybody knows Allison, right? Right? Yes. Or they should. Yes, they should. <laughs> if they don't, they should. But Allison, tell us about Allison, Allison. All right. Well, Allison, or I, <laughs> am a tech enthusiast. I co-host the Tech Doctor podcast with my friend Robert Carter. I'm a rehab counselor by day, but my true passion is technology. So 3CH is one of my favorite podcasts, and I'm just really, really excited to be here. Well, Yay, sure and I'm excited to, to have, have another Yay. girl in the room. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the Mac, buddy. It had this like birthday of things. Yeah. It did. It had a big birthday. It turned 30. And here's this first article we have up here is, I don't know, this is a really stupid title, okay? What's the Mac going to be like in the next 30 years? That's like asking... You know, what's the Apple IIe going to be like in 30 years? Because, like, there is no Apple IIe. This is just dumb. But, I mean... <laughs> he I mean, goes I mean, on like, and on, buddy. I mean, he had a lot to he, say. Yeah, that was a very He did have article. a lot to say, and I kind of agreed with where he was going with it. But the title was just a non-starter for me. Because technology changes so fast, who knows what's going to happen in 30 years? Right. It's hard. He to did say. point out, though, that one of the Apple guys pointed out that there's kind of a 10 year plan for the Mac operating system. So mm-hmm. they are definitely looking out into the future, but we have no idea what technology is going to look like in 10 years, maybe not even five. The thing is, people are saying, well, you know, there's always going to be a place for the Mac, and, you know, people need the Mac for more production things, lots of typing if they're going to write War and Peace and that sort of thing. And I think there's probably some truth to that. (laughs) I don't think that tablets and iPhones and things lend themselves well to certain kinds of tasks and certain kinds of users. I think maybe that might start changing as we have more people growing up with tablets and smartphones as opposed to growing up with dinosaurus computers that have keyboards like myself. But really, just to, from an efficiency standpoint, I don't think that everything's going to be all tablets all the time, anytime. I think that he really made a good point I there. think there's going to be a meet in the middle at some point. Oh, sure. It's going to be kind of a combination when the technology gets there and supports it. Yeah, but it's not going to be today. No, 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 not for a while. But maybe 30 years from now. Yeah, exactly. Maybe 30 years from now. Uh, I don't want to think about 30 years from now. That means I'll be old. <laughs> Me too. That means I'll be older. <laughs> yes, older. But one thing that may or may not be relevant in another 30 years, though, is um, the comparison of, well, actually, you know, it might be, though, because it kind of dovetails with this. What counts as a computer and what doesn't, and what's fair or not fair about this comparison? 
That's true. I thought that was a pretty interesting article because I've had discussions with a lot of people personally about this. Some of the entrenched Windows people will always throw up in you know your face that, well, you know, Windows still makes up, you know, whatever. And they still throw that 90, 95%, which is completely untrue. But, you know, the reality is, is that the Mac has been outselling based on what Steve Baumer wanted to consider the iPad as part of the PC market. So it's really his fault when you get right back to it. So, <laughs> And if you do compare, pardon me, apples to apples, and you're talking about PC growth versus Mac growth, or rather shrinkage, the Mac is falling less rapidly than the PC is, even though the shares are smaller. Right. Well, and was it this article that pointed out that half of all new Mac buyers are actually brand new customers? Right. So, yes, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, that's the reality is that we're seeing a lot more new people going, huh, do I really want to put up with Windows anymore? Right. Mm, maybe not. So they decide to go buy a Mac. And I know a lot of sighted people that have that all over the country that have done that. Right. I think part of the part of the confusion or, or whatever and the reason that this comparison is valid if perhaps unfair is that what people are using computers for or computing devices for is changing. It is changing. However, there's a reason why you don't see Macs in a lot of our business, large corporations especially. And that is thanks to IT. I really so love this story. So it made true. me want to call up all of my IT friends and say, you're idiots. <laughs> like, <laughs> why? You need to get out of your comfort zone and deal. I mean, remember in the few places where I've actually had to install my own software for accessibility purposes, the IT yep. situation oh, is always, <laughs> oh my God, I'm not allowed to install anything ever. Because I might do something wrong. And I'm like, okay, you realize that the software I'm installing is actually self-voicing. So yeah, you're, you're not allowed to install anything because you might do something wrong, but they don't have a clue about it themselves. It's really funny because most of the jobs that I've ever had, I've gotten on my own. I've brought in my own technology yeah. and, yep. and pretty much it's like IT was like, oh, I don't know anything about this. You're on your own, buddy boy, which was fine with me because that meant that I got <laughs> to pretty much deal with my own system. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. all ye IT professionals that are listening to our podcast, please realize that we need to get past this attitude of we don't want to move to something that we don't understand. Right. Or why don't you take the time to actually do your due diligence and find out how to utilize other systems. I mean, I think my favorite line from this article was that if IT professionals had it their way, they'd be still running on IBM mainframes. Main yeah, that's so true, though. Yes. So here's the deal, okay? Job preservation is fine. But again, the world's changing and things are changing with it. And people are starting to understand that really the arcane computer knowledge that you had or that you have uh, as a computer <laughs> professional really isn't that mysterious anymore. Right. Exactly. You're a VR counselor, Allison, working for a state government agency. How do you feel about your IT? I've been trying to get them to switch to Mac 
since I got there two years ago. Uh-huh. And the funny thing is, a lot of the IT professionals that I talk to are Mac users at home. So what exactly. gives? State uh, seriously? <laughs> exactly. It's amazing to me. I know a few. Like a friend of mine has. He works with an IT consultant for his business, and this guy. Two years ago, he switched his personal stuff. Everything is Mac and Apple, iPhone, iPad, but he still preaches the whole PC thing in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Apple doesn't understand productivity things, and Apple is not in the business world, and, you know, Windows is more geared towards corporate needs. Oh my gosh, I get so much more done on my Mac here at home than Windows at work. Ugh. It's like. Well, and I'm looking at the, you know, potential, if all works out, I'm going to be at TVI sometime later this year, right? And I'm going to have my computer, but if I try and use it to work with the interface that they are probably using at any of our districts, I'm going to have to use a PC and it's going to really, really frustrate me. (laughs) You'll do what I do. You'll accidentally hit a bunch of Mac commands. I do this thing. Mess up the PC. Yes. I do this thing. Yeah, control <laughs> Windows left arrow doesn't really work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do I that all the time. I love how Lisa too. mentioned that she tries to swipe her arrow keys. Yeah, in fact, about half an hour ago, I was trying to stop interacting with something on my PC. <laughs> no, I, and I try to interact with things on my PC. I'm like, I wish I could see more of the freaking screen. Why don't they have interaction on Windows? <laughs> Or I do alt left arrow because I think it's command and yeah. then I go back yes. on this web based system we use and then I swear. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of enterprise and business, Allison, where's the Mac heading as far as enterprise goes? Well, according to this article, Apple maintains enterprise dominance while Windows Phone lags. The interesting thing about this article I found kind of funny is that it doesn't really even mention Windows Phone. It mentions the No, it doesn't. I know. (laughs) I was really perplexed. I was like looking at the webpage, like, where is Windows Phone? Does anybody use Windows Phone? I mean, is I don't know. Yeah, people in like third world countries. I guess so. Yeah. No, seriously, the total yeah. part of the market that Apple is completely ignoring is dominated by Windows Phone. <laughs> Correct. And I think that ignoring is the wrong word. It's not. It, it is absolutely not the wrong word. You think that no. they're ignoring them? Absolutely. That's not their market. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I find that surprising because one of the things that Mac has always been known for, even prior to like the early 2000s, was multiple languages. But Apple has not been known for offering lower-priced options for people purchasing lower-end hardware. Apple has been, is a luxury brand, a high-end brand, and that's the segment of the market that they are targeting. And we in the United States are really the only people in the whole entire world who get subsidized phones. Well, that's not really true. No? Other countries do have things like it. It's maybe not the norm, Like, I know you can get a phone on subsidy on contract in the UK, but one thing that the US does that kind of is bass backwards from everybody else is the mobile phone customer pays for both incoming and outgoing calls, whereas most of the rest of the world, it's like, if you call somebody's mobile phone, they get all the incoming calls for free and you pay a higher cost as the calling party for calling a mobile phone as opposed to calling a landline phone. Okay. Gotcha. One of the things that I found really interesting about this article is that 
file access and document editing apps and uh, custom apps were up by a significant amount. I know listening to a lot of the mainstream tech podcasts, a lot of people, particularly in the medical fields, are completely replacing their computers with most notably iPads and um, usually a Zag Folio keyboard. Yeah, It's easy to carry around. And really, what are you doing with your computer? You're looking things up. And the iPad is really well suited to that. I mean, when I was in Pittsburgh Children's a lot, you know, these guys would come around with this computer on a cart to do their records when they'd come to our daughter's room or whatever. Yeah, the iPad's a whole lot better suited to that sort of thing. Right, and especially in terms of the custom app. I was at a restaurant, and I think it was in New Hampshire, where the staff had iPads. The waiting staff would take your orders on iPads, and they would get messages back from the kitchen. And one of the guys was telling me that they had a developer write this custom app that works that everybody uses in the restaurant. And it makes getting the orders and all that stuff work so efficiently. Nice. That's cool. That is cool. Now you add that with something like Square or the PayPal here or one of the other payment right. services that's available on the iPad. And that's just a real winner right there. Right. And it actually saves the company a lot of money because it's still far less than them having a cash machine where they have to pay the credit card companies a ridiculous amount of money for every transaction. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of the restaurants, especially in the Berkeley area, have switched to Square. And then Mm -hmm. speaking in terms of custom app development, one of the things that people kind of bash Apple for is the closed architecture. But I think in terms of custom app development, especially in enterprises where you want security and you want things to be more closed off, I think that's especially where we're going to continue to see Apple and iDevices shining. Right. Right. You know, I had an interesting discussion over the weekend with some people on Twitter. I don't know if any of y'all saw this, where someone was really upset that uh, some article didn't say anything about Android being a viable option for accessibility. And um, one of the points that I made was that the openness of Android was in a way a strength because it was very flexible, but in a way, at least for accessibility, it could be a weakness because there are no standards and whatnot. And my Android isn't your Android, right? So yep. uh, whereas with iOS, my iOS is your iOS. Right. And so that makes training easier. That makes app development. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can expect a mostly consistent experience from one app to another. Now, of course, that's not 100%, obviously. No, but I think for accessibility, having a closed platform where we know exactly what we're getting is actually better. And I'm sure that somebody could have an entire argument with me about open source being the way to go. And I think for certain users, that is the way to go. But for users who need consistency or who don't have the technical skills, I don't like the, I don't know what I'm going to get out of this. Like you said, with Android, my Android isn't your Android because very few of their models run the latest version. And I think that's getting better, but it's still... Well, even if they do, though... You can change so much of it that what I see on my Android device may not be what Mm -hmm. you see on your Android device, whereas my iOS 7 on my iPhone is going to be the same as your iOS 7 on your iPhone, or it's going to, and it's right. even going to be very similar to your iOS 7 on your iPad. And what is there, six or seven yeah. versions of Android out, and what works accessibly in which version? 
You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's exactly, just it's so yeah. confusing. It's just a fraction. And from a market. training perspective, that would make my head. Oh, just forget spin. it. I would never get involved in that. Yeah. <laughs> and especially you have to fiddle around so much more just to get the gestures that work so fluidly on iOS to respond. Right. At least that's my experience with Android. Yeah, everybody who I speak to says the same thing. Now both of our Android listeners can feel free to rebut any of this by sending <laughs> <laughs> Resources at saratalk.com. Uh, moving right along, looks like uh, Apple TV is going to be coming out with a new model. Of course, the details of this are quite murky. It could come out next month. It could come out in around Christmas time. Nobody knows. I liked how they talked about the uh, fact that it's now no longer considered an accessory on Apple's web page. Right, right. They right, it's got its, its own category, prominence. which really lends yeah. credence to this. Mm-hmm. And as an Apple TV lover, I fully support this. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm yes. obsessed Exchange. with my Apple TV. I really want there to be Love my Apple TV. an update. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really interesting, though, that the whole Comcast buying Time Warner thing may throw some of their possible plans yeah. for the new version yeah, out the door. Well, I'm wondering how this is going to work out, if it's going to be approved. If it's approved, you know, Comcast has their accessible set-top box that they're working with. Correct. If that goes through and then the deal continues with Apple TV, that could mean we actually have choices on this, and that's pretty exciting. That yeah. would be very exciting. And the only reason I don't want the deal to go through is because of Monopoly. But that's not really a valid argument, and here's why. <sighs> okay. Any place you live only has one cable company. Almost yes. always, so, yes. Yeah. So essentially, whether it's Comcast or whether it's Time Warner, it's a Monopoly where you live. So right. what's the difference? Yep. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. Well, people have had a lot of issues with every with time cable, com- yeah. cable companies yeah. are kind of like telephone companies. Yeah, I could go on an, uh, on a soapbox right now about my cable company and it's a billion and one offenses <laughs> towards me. So, Well, I just had an interesting thing with my cable company. So I called them and I said, look, I'm paying $162 and change for your highest, <gasps> I wish I was. highest tier of internet. Oh my goodness. Highest tier internet plus phone service. Yeah. I'm paying another $50 for Dish Network's basic service with blah, 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 blah. If I were to roll my TV service in, what can you do for me? Yeah. Long story short, at the end of the day, they said, all right, so your monthly bill, if we do this thing, you'll get 225 channels of crap, including one pay service for free, so on and so forth in this bundle. And your monthly bill will be $164 and change some. Like, okay, wait, so you're telling me that I'm going to get my... Cable TV, basically for two bucks a month. All right, I'm in. <laughs> yep. And they said, okay, so you know that's good for twelve months. So what happens after twelve months? She says, well, oh, then it goes about up, ten huh? months in, we'll send you a letter that says your promotion is going to end, and you just call us and we roll you into the next promotion. All right. Yep, that's, that's exactly what I do every do single year. <laughs> or you do what we do every now and then. We call and we threaten to switch to FiOS, and then they're like, oh no, no, let's see what we can do for you. See, it's, they it's don't care about tried that and true here. method for me. They used to care about that nice. here, but now they don't. Now they say, okay, go to FiOS, you'll be back. It's like, oh, oh my goodness, holy crap! Nice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, John, we might see a new Apple TV. I think we will see a new Apple TV, I but think so too. there's still the elusive iWatch. What what do we know now that we didn't know 
Well, it's uh, rumors. Yeah. We don't really know anything, but now they're saying that it's <laughs> yes. not going to be an iPhone that you're going to be wearing on your wrist. Now they're saying it's going to be more yeah, in the direction of medical. This isn't going to be medical. the Dick Tracy wristwatch. Right. It's going to be more <laughs> of a medical-based device for fitness and well-being. And I've read some additional articles about this where you know they're talking about technology for warning you of a heart attack and, and all kinds of interesting mm-hmm. stuff. So that seems to be what the angle from well, what you know Apple is maybe going. And bear in mind that this is going to be in conjunction with your phone. It's not going to be a standalone device, right, and that right. really makes I don't think so. And that really makes sense. Yeah. You can't really change the laws of physics. No, you're still limited by battery size, battery capacity, antenna size, and all sorts of things that you just couldn't put on your wrist. Yep, absolutely. And our next article talks about the fact that they hired a sleep expert from the Netherlands. And I kind of touched on this in Sarah Talk's podcast that I did with Ricky and Lisa. They've hired tons of medical people. Medical and fitness experts. And I think that that really speaks to what John just said, which is that this is not going to be a standalone device. It's going to be something that we use to track lots of things. And I think what's going to set them apart is what it tracks. Because the thing about our current fitness monitors is that they really don't do more than look at your steps. They can track your calories, but only if you put them in yourself. And I'm definitely not committed as much as I should be because I use the Fitbit app on my iPhone 5S because I didn't have to get an external device. But I haven't added any of the stuff for the food because it's just too time consuming. And frankly, if you don't eat a lot of processed food, then I'm just guesstimating. And I don't really like playing that game. Here's the deal, okay? Yeah. What Apple is really good at is taking stuff that people do and then making it friendly. So yes. You yeah, can expect absolutely. that this new thing that I refuse to call an iWatch because it doesn't <laughs> look like it's going to be anything like a watch at all, but this new fitness monitoring thing is going to make all of your fitness stuff, it's going to put all of it in a very friendly format that's going to be easy to read, it's going to be easy to understand, because that's what Apple does. They're really right. good at user interfaces and experience and making things friendly. I mean, like that's like their unique thing that they do. And I think that's what this is going to be. It may not be anything that's not already available, like, you know, like the Fitbit, but it's going to make all that information a lot more accessible. And by accessible, I mean usable by the masses, not necessarily accessible in the manner that we usually mean accessible. Right. Although it probably will be accessible. Yeah, most Although likely. It probably yeah. will be accessible. Yeah. The other thing is that I think they're going to go beyond, way beyond what our current fitness trackers do. And that's what's going to set them apart. Um, Because there's so many more things that we could be tracking. And I just want the day that I can take something like the iWatch or whatever we want to call it, Apple's fitness tracker or Apple's health monitor, I don't know, and be able to print off all of my data or just have it show up on my screen for my doctor. And print, print, really, Alina? We're, we're, going, we're trying to go I'm towards sorry. paperless. And you're talking about printing? Don't you care about the environment? Doctors still really like paper. What do you want? You could beam it over Bluetooth to your doctor's whatever. That's right. There you go. No more printing. Or email it at the In touch fact, of a button. I'm still waiting for the day when I walk into a doctor's office and they don't hand me a clipboard. Miss, can you fill this out? 
Uh, no. No, <laughs> no I cannot. <laughs> yeah, instead of a clipboard, they'll start handing you an iPad, but triple-click home won't be active on it. Right. <laughs> and and the form won't be accessible. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I know for me, I need something. I sit at a desk all day. I need something that is going to either like send me a push notification or I don't know, shock me or something to remind me to get up and move around. Get your sorry lazy <laughs> up and get some exercise. I'll tell you what, I have, yeah, exactly. I have one of those yeah. <laughs> monitors on my Mac. And it's so easy to ignore it that it just yep. ends up becoming. <laughs> That's why I'm thinking a shock crunch. or yelling might be more effective. <laughs> yes. Because it never fails. It'll go into this time break and I'll be like in the middle of something. I can't take a break right now. Yeah. Go away. So it turns off the screen, but it doesn't stop voiceover from functioning. Oh. And I'm like, I'm tempted <laughs> to tell the developer, you need to find a way to shut my screen reader off for five minutes because that's the only thing that's going to tell me to get away from my screen. Now, here's something kind of cool. You know, instead of your iPad being at your doctor's office, how about iPads for all the kids in school? Yeah, Apple has always been really committed to having their devices in schools and committed to education. But recently, they pledged $100 million in iPads and computers and other equipment as part of President Obama's Connect Ed program. Is that how you say it? Connect Ed? That's how I pronounce yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. This was something that he had alluded to during the State of the Union address. And companies like Microsoft, Sprint, and Verizon are going to be involved too. The aim is to get internet connectivity, specifically high-speed internet, into 15,000 schools within the next five years. I think this is great. And it has implications, especially in terms of accessibility as well. Absolutely. And lots of angry birds. <laughs> <laughs> Again, as a teacher or a future teacher, one of my passions is getting technology into the hands of our kids as young as possible. And I say that yes. because I feel like they're really at a disadvantage in California, I know I was just talking with a teacher who says that she starts JAWS training in third grade. And I'm like, third grade? Third grade? Are you that late? kidding me? Wow. Wow. That's, they're nine years old. Their yeah. uh, peers have been working with a computer or some other technical device since they were like two. <laughs> you know, that's unacceptable to me. I agree. At least now, sure. Yeah. I didn't see my first talking computer and get to play with it until fifth grade. You know, I was like 10, but I'm old now. So, I mean, like, that's, right, not, exactly. you're right, that's not acceptable anymore. <laughs> the world has moved on. Yes. And at this stage, if I'm going into the home of, of parents who have a young child pre-kindergarten, totally, let's find a way to get the iPad or the iPhone or the iPod Definitely. Touch because I want them interacting and engaging with technology before they even hit school. Because I think that is really going to be part of the way that we get them on the same page. Well, yeah, um, and, their, and their peers are doing these things already, and they need to as well. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, games are educational, people. Exactly. Right. Don't go in with the attitude that gaming is not good for oh, people's can, brains, because exactly. we have a lot of evidence to show otherwise. Well, and this is where mainstream technology, mainstream accessible technology really yeah. fills a gap, because a lot of times... 
teachers of the visually impaired, specifically sighted TVIs, are not getting the training that they need in assistive technology, or at least not getting enough training. So oh, no. if they can pick no up way. something like an iPad, yeah. then it's going to be better for the students. One thing I will say, and this is again one of those, maybe I shouldn't criticize, but I'm going to criticize anyway. Sighted TVIs will turn voiceover off if they're trying to fix something. Mm. And I'm like, no. Why are you doing that? You're, you you're should now do that. The answer the is they're doing that for the same reason that they read Braille with their, their eyes. eyes. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. I know. And it's so frustrating because yeah. that means that they're not going to the trouble of making sure that they know how to do this with the student. Right. Troubleshooting is something that everybody needs to know how to do independently. And if you can't show a student how to do that with JAWS running or with the screen reader on the iPad running, then you're not teaching them anything. Right. I agree. <laughs> and frankly, you're sending the message that some sighted person has to fix it for them. Right. Well, we digress. <laughs> right. Do we? Really? <laughs> uh, no I way. Don't know. No, I will never digress. <laughs> Our digressions are so long that uh, maybe <laughs> they'll last longer than the iPad battery. That would be a really long time. I love my iPad mini. It's like we go days. Sometimes we go a week before we have to plug it in. It's amazing. I want one. The iPad battery life, says this article, is the longest of any tablet out there. And I believe it. I mean, Apple really worked hard to do that. Yeah, by far. Absolutely. In fact, if the battery lasted as long on my iPhone, (laughs) that would be awesome. But Yeah, it's that physics thing again. I know. <laughs> Stupid physics. Apple is really concerned about making their device small and slim and sleek and all that. If they made it just a little bit thicker, we could have better battery life. Hmm. Well, then the technology might catch up too. You know, you never know. Yeah. Well, remember, it's one of the big reasons why LTE wasn't available on, on the uh, iPhone 4S and earlier, even though it was, mm-hmm. it was an available thing that people could have. The chips were not right. power efficient enough. Yep. Yeah. I do want to make one comment you about that article. You can't cheat physics. Nope. We keep trying. Yes. I do want to make one comment about that article. Besides the battery life, it makes a comment about that the, what is it, the Samsung is faster than the iPad Air. What they have discovered in a lot of places is Samsung fudges their data and lies about their No, technical. stop. Yeah. What? I know it's going to shock people, what? but they've been caught red-handed in a numerous cases of, uh, let's just say, uh, fixing it. Massaging the numbers. Yeah, and, and fixing. It's an interesting thing because, John, you've been around uh, around the AT industry for a long time and uh, consequently around computers a long time, so you know that this is the case. When you look at, for example, battery runtime numbers for PCs versus battery runtime numbers for the Mac, the PC numbers are always best-case scenario with everything turned all the way down. Yeah. And all this stuff, whereas Mac numbers are usually like, okay, we're, we're going with average use case scenario, brightness at 50%, sound at such and such with Bluetooth and wireless and, and so right. forth. So again, fudging the numbers, would you agree with this assessment? As far as what, the battery? As far as how different companies measure battery life, for example. 
it's one of these things that I guess what you really have to do is get quote unquote independent to really go out there and do this. But I mean, I could just only speak from personal experience that my iPad battery is just amazing. It's like Alina said, it's like a week I go between yeah. having to recharge. And my I stream iPad. radio on yes, it. I yes. stream other things. We use it for YouTube and then we'll just like airplay it through our Apple TV. Melanie's air doesn't last quite that long. It's good for uh-huh. the day, but then she has the magnification and the brightness and the this and that and that. But, oh, okay. but still it's pretty phenomenal yeah. my husband's gonna be mad at you alina because he's been trying to dissuade me from getting an ipad mini and after that ringing endorsement <laughs> i think that i'll be getting one <laughs> you know i really like it because it's smaller than the ipad and the ipad screen the big ipad is actually just frustrating for me as a voiceover I agree. Yeah, me too I agree. So I really enjoy the mini. I feel like it's big enough, but it's not overly big. And it runs so smoothly and the battery life is fantastic. So I'm still getting used to the whole split screen problem. Yeah, that's a little hard to get used to in a way. It is. For my needs, I think that the iPhone or the iPod Touch is plenty to deal with. But if I were to get a tablet for my own use, it would be a mini rather than the full-sized one because I don't really need the enlargement and that's just yes. more screen than I really care to deal with. And beyond that, there are apps that you can't get on the iPhone or iPod Touch. And it's specifically for education, the fact that I have access sure. to an iPad now is really, really cool because I can yeah. go and get apps that I'm going to be working with my students on and I couldn't do that with the iPhone because so many of the education apps are not even available. Or iPad only. As, yeah. Right. Yeah, they're iPad only. I'm just so frustrated by the battery life. Yeah. On the iPhone. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. Spotify on the iPad, for some reason, lets us listen to tracks without paying for a premium account. So there's another reason for you. <laughs> like, sure we can go in that. and just pick a track. And I can't do that on the iPhone. So now that you've just let the cat out of the bag, they're going to fix that in the next release. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Coming up after the break, iOS, iOS, more iOS. Your letters. Maybe we should talk about iOS. (laughs) Maybe we'll talk about iOS. (laughs) On triple click home, why would we do that? I don't know. (laughs) So stay tuned, and we might talk about iOS some. A little bit. A cruise. It sounds so exotic. Expensive. Terrific. Terrifying. Incredible. Impossible. What's holding you back from taking a cruise? Whatever it is, travel agent Jerry Crawford has the solution. Join a group for a five or seven day cruise in January 2015 or schedule one for your own group or for yourself. Guided assistance available on the ship and in port. Or venture out on your own. Guide dogs are welcome. Installment payment plans available. Starting at just $359 for five days of all the food, fun, and frivolity you can handle. For more information, call 281-633-2711 or send an email to 2cruisers at att.net. That's number 2, C-R-U-I-S-E-R-S at att.net. So what are you waiting for? Call or email Jerry today to book the experience of a lifetime. 
Looking for a cross-platform solution to quickly convert printed materials and PDFs into text, MP3, or DAISY formats? Check out Serotech's DocuScan Plus. For just $299, use DocuScan Plus on your Windows or Mac computer. Store documents in the cloud for easy retrieval and access them from anywhere. For more information, visit www.docuscanplus.com. All right, welcome back to Triple Click Home number 27. And our next item, as uh, Buddy made mention to several times, we're going to get into the topic of iOS. In particular, speaking of the 7.1 release that should be coming shortly and what new features we might be expecting, quote-unquote. Now, you take it with a grain of salt because it's all speculation until it's actually released because Apple's been known to yank things and change things at the last possible moment. But uh, there is an article that talks about, they say seven. I wasn't sure about if there was seven listed there because that the article to me was a little confusing <laughs> the way it jumped around and kept referring to jailbreaks and stuff like that. So I'm not yes. quite sure what the seven. Yeah, it's they've fixed some of the holes that the jailbreakers yeah. have exploited. And right. So you won't be able to jailbreak in that way anymore. So I'll have to find a different exploit. The interesting one to me, well, there's a lot of low vision stuff for the people who are having trouble with the contrast and the colors of the keys on the keyboard. They have addressed this and supposedly from speaking to a couple of people who are low vision users, it is going to be a vast improvement. Good. You know, so that's definitely awesome. good news, especially for a couple of my clients who are low vision who have been affected by this. One of the things that interested me, though, was they made reference to the calendar. They added a event button, which they had taken out of the iOS 6, the list feature where you could see only your events that you're scheduled. I'm so glad. Well, in case you're wondering, there is a temporary workaround. If you type anything in the the search search field, right, it will show you your events, but they are supposedly going to be addressing that. And it's good because that's the only view I ever used. Yes, you and me both. I'm like, I only want to know what's on my calendar. Right. Don't tell me about, you know, the days of the week because... I only care. Those okay, usually come in the same order Tuesday. every time. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, usually Tuesday is Yeah, usually after comes Monday. Strangely yeah. enough, I've never noticed that change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was specifically talking about don't tell me about the uh, the days of the month that they don't I change can pick either. from. No. Unless it's a leap year, then you have well, a yeah. twenty nine at yeah, the end of they, February. They change a little. Or it's a hop year where there's a thirty first at the end of April. No, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> But they also make reference to Siri improvements, which I'm also curious about. Yeah, they were specifically talking about the voices. New voices uh, for the UK and Australia and different other languages. Right. I didn't think they were so great, personally. I listened to some samples and I was underwhelmed. I haven't heard any. No, I think the American ones are still the best. Well, and honestly, if you're Australian, you get Karen. I don't know why you would not want her. Yeah, why would you want anyone else? She's awesome. (laughs) She is awesome. Now, for the UK, I really don't like Daniel. I just don't. You don't like Daniel. He's so uh, so abrupt. He's just mean. And yeah. He's not. Yeah, he's not gentle. You're talking about Daniel. <laughs> yeah. He, well, he sounds like he's got a stick up his butt or something too. <laughs> I wasn't going to put it that way, but now that you mention it, thank you, buddy, <laughs> for saying what the rest of us were thinking. Leave it to me to just you know kind of. <laughs> Well, not only that, but, you know, Samantha's mean. Samantha's yeah. mean and grumpy. She is. Yeah. She's very insensitive. Yeah. 
<laughs> just can't deal with it. Sorry, Karen Susan, is my preferred but seriously, voice. Samantha is just mean and grumpy. I'm still waiting for the day that they listen to all of us who say, please give us a different U.S. voice. Yes. Please. Sorry, Susan Bennett. I'm sure you're a lovely person, but... <laughs> I still say the male Siri voice still sounds like Steve Jobs. He does. Yeah. I think he yeah. does. I think he kind of does, too. I was just listening to a great TED Talk yesterday about a project called Vocability, and... They're working on giving people who use AAC devices for speech disorders their own voice. And so what they do is they use a vocalization, any kind of vocalization that the person can make, and then they find somebody who volunteers their time to record audio that sounds very similar, or maybe they're in the same age group, but they try and match their voices as closely as possible, and they're giving people who use AAC devices, their own voice. That's cool. And it's that's really oh, that's exciting. Cool. That's really cool. Yeah. That's wonderful. Because now, like, there are so few voice options. So you got, like, a little girl who's using the same voices as a grown man. And, yeah. That's so, cool. That's yay, really yay for moving in the correct direction as far as yes. TTS goes. I mean, think of how many leaps and bounds we've made over the last decade. Yeah. I mean, some of these voices, you're really hard-pressed to tell them from human. Right. Which apparently some people in our community hate, but yeah. I don't agree with them. Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to put it out there. I hate this article. I really do. Yeah. I really hate this article. It sounds whiny and petulant. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so we're posting to you guys an article that five things that a five-inch iPhone will fix. Uh-huh. I mean, these are like problems looking for a solution, if you ask yeah. me. Yes, I yeah. agree. Personally, I find all of these to be kind of bunk. Well, um. consider that Apple has basically said the 4-inch iPhone is the right size because it can be operated with one hand. Mm-hmm. You get much yes. bigger than that, it can't be operated with one hand. And I really like being able to use it with one hand. <laughs> I can maybe see them going to a 4.5-inch screen. Maybe. Right. Five- Six. Well, and one of the things that they pointed out that it would fix was that it would help people who need more screen. And I'm like, if you need more screen, get get an an iPad iPad mini or get an iPad. Don't don't play this game of, oh, I need a bigger iPhone. I mean, isn't there like some phones on the market that are six inches now? Yes. Some of these phones are bricks. I don't know how people (sighs) carry some of these phones around. I'm like, What's the point of mobile and portable? I'm still waiting for the Android bag phone. I'm just saying. (laughs) It is. I don't want to put a six-inch screen up to my head. That just seems ridiculous. I have little hands, and I don't want to even try to imagine how I would operate a a four-and-a-half-inch iPhone with one hand because I'm barely able to manage it now. So (laughs) I know. And then you have the people who have really big hands, and they're like, yes, get me a bigger screen because I can't type on the stupid iPhone. (laughs) Well, my husband can't do the four-finger tap because his hands are too big. It, it never registers. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> I don't even understand what the four-finger tap is really like. Why did we go there? Why are we yeah, it's just entirely asking fingers. people to do four of their fingers? <laughs> well, because, you know, when you, it's going to be like a three-finger quintuplet tap. So, you know, <laughs> you know, so they had to go to four fingers eventually. Oh. But yeah, th- I don't know. This article just sounds whiny and petulant to me. Mm. Yeah. Yes. 
Oh, but Apple needs to be like everybody else. Everybody else has a five inch. Apple or has six never been like yeah. everybody yeah. else. And everybody else is not making money on these phones. Right, and Apple is. is right. There you go. And Apple has always been like everybody else. Don't you know? You know. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Not. Yeah, did you see there was this article I, I, I heard about this morning on Mac OS Ken about, you know, earlier this week, these when analysts were saying, yeah, Apple in China is never going to catch up to Xiaomi or whatever they're called. Um, I think there was like a 300,000 number difference between the one and the other. They're never going to catch it. They're never going to break into the top five. And then this morning, it's like, yeah, Apple's the fifth largest cell phone manufacturer in China. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the old Steve Ballmer when the iPhone first came out. Who's going to buy a $400 phone? <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> yeah, so, so Apple, Apple and Samsung are making all of the money in the smartphone arena, and yes. most of that is Apple. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But you know who's making more money than than all of them is this stupid telecoms. Yes. Yes. Verizon and AT&T are trying to play catch up with T-Mobile. T-Mobile's doing these things that Mm -hmm. they're getting customers. Customers are liking this. And so Verizon and AT&T and these others are like, oh, we can do that. Uh Uh-huh. So I'm going to let Allison tell the story about Verizon. And then as an AT&T customer, I'm going to tell you guys my story of my new rate plan, which I love. And I was like, what? And I, as a Verizon customer, will weep. But <laughs> yes, you should weep. <laughs> well, Verizon, finally, after some major Twitter hype, finally confirmed their more everything plan, which brings price cuts, more data, and global texting. Because Uh, everybody texts now, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, nobody uses like iMessage and IM and all these other things. Right. Yeah. So global texting is going to be really important for a lot of people, I'm sure. Basically, the idea with this article is that you're supposed to be able to get more data for less money, which I can actually attest to because Jeremy and I realized we weren't using the six gigs of data that we were paying for. So we went down to the two gig plan right pretty much when this hit. So we are paying less, I have to say. But you're also getting less data. Yeah, but we have Wi-Fi everywhere. Yeah, I was like on the one gig data plan because I never go anywhere. And so... Yeah, now I've got two. And okay, I'm not so paying get anything this extra. Not only Verizon am I not paying customers. anything extra, but supposedly they're going to give me ten dollars off because I'm in on the um, uh, what you call it, the edge plan where you pay. Right. Uh, pay yeah. Your so phone are we? Out. Yeah. So you poor little Verizon customers. I'm going to tell you why your plans suck now because <laughs> we we went into AT and T. Our plans might suck, but your network sucks. <laughs> yeah. No, it really doesn't. Whatever. Anyway. We went into AT&T because we had heard about these new plans, and we were paying about 125 and that was for each of us to have. Now, my husband had 300 megs of data, and I had 200 megs of data, okay, plus our voice plan. We're now playing less. We're going to get unlimited texts, which we didn't have in our old plan, and 10 gigs of data. For less money. Wow. So. Wow. Wow. I'm just. Wow. I know. I'm like 10 gigs. I don't even know what to do with (laughs) 10 gigs of data. Are these plans only for like families or is it individuals too? Yes. I should specify we are on a family plan. Okay. Because then that's not going to affect me then. 
Well, you just need to get a family to join you. And I'll just and, you know, family family I'll get to hire a family to come and <laughs> <laughs> go up to people on the street. Will you be my family? Will, yeah, you, will be you be my family, please? Because <laughs> that won't be weird. <laughs> yeah. You can do family plans with friends. You can totally do that. You don't have to have the same. Oh, last sure you name can. Well, anything. and then Sprint has a thing like that where you can get a bunch of your buddies the together plan, and then you save a bunch of money. Something. Framily, yeah. yes, the Framily <laughs> plan. But unfortunately, Sprint's network really does suck. So I mean, yeah, it really yeah. does. Our data for AT and T is pretty awesome. I will say that. So I don't know. As far as telecoms go, they're all evil, which we've established on the show. Yes, all, uh, all evil. probably every every episode. Cable, cable <laughs> so companies. Verizon and is evil companies. with great coverage. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yes, this is correct. You, know, you sell your soul, but you get great coverage. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but apparently you pay a premium. Like one of the things they pointed out in this article is that they've always claimed to be the premium carrier and that's yeah. what they're going to charge this is sad oh and true. i love the people yeah. i love the line that said oh well you don't want to charge too little because people might think that there's something wrong really <laughs> whatever dude nope. really nope. i'm gonna think there's something wrong nope <laughs> i'd be dancing in the streets if i'm, not, I'm not giving my you rates. enough of my money something must be yeah. wrong wrong yes clearly <laughs> yikes so, you know, with all that new data that we've got access to, we can have our new data in stereo. Yeah. We can. And Patrick Purdue here, we got a link to a demo of this Zoom stereo mic for the iPhone and things with lightning connectors. He demos it in Patrick's usual excellent fashion. <laughs> of course, you would expect nothing less Which than means that he's very picky about it. Yes. And there you are know, flushing toilets total, involved. Total, total <laughs> yeah. audiophile experience. Yeah. I don't know. You know, Neil Ewers has the garbage disposal. Patrick has the flushing toilets. You know, <laughs> they make the most use of as possible out of their household appliances. Yes. We should Why not? commend them for that. <laughs> so check that out. Uh, what do you think, buddy? Is this something that you might want yourself? Maybe. Although, you know, I've got this Tascam audio interface that I bought for my previous iPhone and I could probably use that with an adaptery, but okay. um, yeah, maybe. Works just fine. Get a lightning to 30 pin cable, not the adapter, so you don't put too much weight on the phone, and uh, you'll be good to go. I ordered one. It hasn't arrived yet. Well, actually, the post office oh. keeps trying to deliver it when I'm not home, which is a problem. So <laughs> I need to call them and be like, just keep it there. I'll come get it. You can do that, or you can like sign the thing and leave it, and then they'll deliver it the next day. Of course, oh, then gosh. you know it might disappear off your front porch. Depends yeah. <laughs> what kind of neighbors you have. <laughs> Possibility. <laughs> yeah. Hey, here's something else you can do with all that extra data. You can back up your computer. Yes, an accessible way of backing up your computer as well. A service called uh, Backblaze, which. Uh, it's ironic that I was given this article because I just signed up for this service about two weeks ago. And oh, it is okay. quite accessible. What it does, and I'm only speaking from the Mac side, obviously. I don't know about the PC side, but it creates a system preference pane that gives you all the details and information that you need as far as your backup status, what kind of backup schedule you have, what data is being backed up, being able to recover any data. Now, you know, the question that people say is, well, if you have iCloud, you got Google Drive, why do you need to back up your computer off-site? And that's really a personal choice 
issue, but my basic belief is that if your house burns down, God forbid, even if you have external drives up the wazoo and a time machine back up, what good is it going to do you if you have nothing left? Right. So yeah. the and only thing that's and, and really, yes. this is very reasonably priced. It's uh, five dollars. Five dollars. Awesome. Five dollars a month per computer. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait now, to sign up. The only thing be careful about that I kind of didn't think about this. It kind of horrified me. Was it will take even your connected drives at first. So you have to kind of indicate there's an exclusion list of what stuff you want backed up and you do want backed up because initially oh, when I signed okay. up. I have two three terabyte drives that are connected to my computer for different reasons. So all of a sudden I look at my backup and it says one point something terabytes of data. I'm like, huh? Oh God. What the hell? And it's like, it'll be done in 316 days. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. So I, you know, fixed it and, and, you know, it's fine now, but I was just laughing. I'm like, it was backing up every single volume that I had connected to my iMac, it was oh, it was man. backing up. Aye, on. Aye, aye. But it's a great service and it is accessible. Three hundred sixteen days. Three hundred sixteen days. I'm like, but it's a great service. I can speak from personally using it. I definitely you, recommend you might, it. You might blow your mobile data quota. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the other thing you can do is control the throttling. So if you are on a really bad network at home and you got to use a Skype uh-huh. or Team Talk conference thing, and you need to throttle down the amount of data that's being transferred by Backblaze, you have complete control over that, and it's accessible. Great. I read a really interesting article that we have here from AppleVis. It's actually an overview of five different iOS text editors. And the cool thing is they're all accessible. They all have some sort of syncing option, whether it's their own built-in syncing option or Dropbox. And they all either have or are going to have uh, markdown support. Now, I've not tried any of these. Have you guys tried any of the ones that were listed here? I have tried Nebulous Notes. And yeah, it works okay, but I I don't have a Bluetooth keyboard, so I try and avoid typing on my iPhone. Ah, yeah. I have a Braille display and a Bluetooth keyboard, but I find that Access Note, for now at least, meets my needs. I kind of jumped on that bandwagon pretty early, so I haven't really just had a need to try the others just yet. What were the five apps? Because I didn't get to read this article. They were Nebulous Notes, Simple Note... Drop text. I think I've got one here called Plain Text that That's, I downloaded a zillion that years ago. That was one ago. of them. Yeah. yeah. Plain Text is okay. It's accessible and it works well. I've used it for a couple of clients who needed simple word processor apps. But it's a very well-written guide. Extremely. So yeah. If you're really looking for text editors and you want options, I think this is a really great place for people to go. And it's all done in really simple text, so don't try and do any funny formatting. This is really just for you to be able to write things down, and then you'll have to transfer them to a regular word processor if you need to get all fancy. Or learn Markdown, but which I'm wanting yeah. to do. Yeah, I want to do yeah. that too. I just wish I had time. Markdown looks like it's pretty easy. Good. So moving from iOS back to the Mac, Marco has been a Mac user for a long time, but he wrote this article about why he's switching back to Windows have y'all read this? Yeah. It's quite long. It's... Yeah. I thought that for his use case and whatnot, he was fair. I think that he presented his case cogently. He he didn't get all, you know, religious or overzealous or anything like that. 
I don't necessarily agree with everything. Yes, there are definitely things that aren't fixed that should be. And that's one of the prices that I think that we're just going to have to pay for mainstream access. One of the things that he was talking about was PDF access and how you don't have access to everything in the PDF document and so forth. And I don't think that's exactly accurate. For example, you can view the table of contents and jump to links in that. Well, and I found that preview works better than Adobe ever worked for yes. me. Yes. Yeah. I think he was being very Yeah, I, I haven't had any problems with preview at all, for example. Yeah. I think that his thing about the interacting, yes, interacting is very different from what Windows does. It's a different concept, but it makes sense to my brain because you drill down and so forth. But Why bring it up after using the Mac for nine years that it's now it's a problem for him? Yeah. This yeah. is I just Yeah, and I was just going to say as a former low vision person, I knew how to use a mouse and part of using a mouse meant that sometimes you had to click on something and then you had to drag it and mm-hmm. then you saw some more stuff. And that's really what interacting is. It's really seeing different layers that are really there that you can't just show all the time. Right. I think he presented his case pretty well and for yeah, you know, sure. it's all a personal preference thing, but I tell you what, even so, I'm still using the Mac for all of my non-work-related activities. What does he think is going to happen when he goes back to Windows? Do you think Windows 8 is... This is what I was saying on the Mac Accessibility Podcast. Why does he think that all of a sudden his experience with Windows is going to be better? You know, I don't get... And the only valid point he had was the Braille display thing. Everything else to me was more like flinging crap at the wall and hoping something sticks to convince people. Well, and now he's going to go back to Windows. He's going to have to choose which screen reader he wants to use. Right. Why did he switch from Windows in the first place? Exactly. He's using NVDA, so, you know, he's he's using a free screen reader. And NVDA is great. NVDA has come a long way. Oh, yeah. In in, in several years. Totally. Um, but again, for my money, I'm still hap- very happy with the Mac. There are some things that really bother me. For example, you get a huge page in Safari and you get Safari busy and you go into the item chooser and you get Safari busy for mm-hmm. a long, long, long time. Yeah. I can live with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to give up Safari Reader anytime. Right. No. <laughs> no. Tell you what. Never. The fa- Never. No, the Safari Reader really makes up for a lot of the other stuff. Yes. It really does. Yes. That's like, you know, well, good and luck even, to Well, even good navigation on web pages in general, I think, are so much easier on my Mac exactly. yes. than they ever were. I was yeah. astounded yeah. by some of his points, and I just was scratching my head, and it just looked like here's a guy who, for whatever, he's got his own reasons, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I just think his justifications were flawed in so many ways. Right. But. I was bothered by his assertion that Apple doesn't care about voiceover That's users anymore. Crap. I was really That's astonished. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. That is crap. They can't do everything all at once and they can't address everything. But to say that they don't care about voiceover, I think is, um, it's just a I think it's, it's not right. Well, it's rude. Well, to say that they care about voiceover on iOS more than they care about voiceover on the Mac, that doesn't even make sense either. No, no, it's, no, no. it's just complete And I nonsense. think we have to watch what we say because we don't want to anger, you know, like... It's just ridiculous. I, like I said, I think, you know what? He's got his reasons good. You know, enjoy Windows. Right. Have fun. Have fun. Have fun storming the castle. But, you know. Exactly. Just, <laughs> if, you know. But as, as these kind of things go, I really think that we could have done a whole lot worse. I mean, when people decide they want to go after the Mac, it isn't usually with any sort of reasonable argument. 
And I think at least he attempted to do that. Yeah, I guess that's fair, buddy. But again, I'm not even sure about how I feel about promoting this article. Because I feel like it's just another thing that people can use as ammo. It's just, it's nonsense. Well, they're going to use it whether we promote it or not. Right. I think people I need to be able to read it, and I think well, people need to make up their own minds. And for every article like this, I could probably point you to 10 that have why people are switching to the Mac. And I'm not just talking about blindness right. specific either. So, you know, right. good, like I said, good luck to them. Have fun. Yeah. And we all have to make our own choices. Right. There are reasons why people use computers and they differ between every single person. So mm-hmm. you have to look at what you're doing and decide, what do I want for myself? I mean, I got the Mac back in the Snow Leopard day. No, I got it back in the Leopard days. And it was like three months of Leopard, and then I got tiger. Snow Leopard. <laughs> you got it a tiger. Oh, <laughs> tiger. You brave, brave oh, soul. Man. Yeah, I don't miss those days, to be honest with you. Yeah, right. No, voiceovers come a long, long way since then. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, boy, has it ever. It's come a long way since Leopard. I feel like every time that they make some improvements, I'm just happier and happier. And every time I have to go stick myself on a PC, I I use the wrong commands. And I feel just frustrated that I don't know. If Apple doesn't care about voiceover for the Mac, how come the release notes for beta 10.9.2, this is all over the press, so I'm not talking out of school here. It was Say, mentioned specifically. We're concentrating yeah, on, concentrate on graphics, email, blah, 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 and, and voiceover. voiceover. Right. Well, not only that, it's just the attitude that they have an accessibility team. And exactly. I've never mm-hmm. not gotten a personal response back. Mm-hmm. When I write to the accessibility team, it's always, oh, how can we figure this out? Or this hasn't happened on my end. What are you doing differently than I am? I'm still waiting for text edit to get it Thanks fixed. for the report. I can't give you a timeline. However, we uh, will take it under advisement. At least something. Right. Yes. And exactly. they have an accessibility 800 number for crying out loud. Yeah. And I also don't appreciate the attitude that now that they're going to get into uh, working with people who have different disabilities, that we're going to become the back burner and nobody's going to care about us anymore. I I don't believe that either. Yeah, no, me neither. Don't believe If he was going to switch to Windows, just switch to Windows and keep your mouth shut. You don't have to write a a, a freaking novel about why you're doing it, you know? Okay, fine. You got your reasons. That's good. Well, I'll tell you why the voiceover thing is not going away, and that's because the population in this country is only getting older. And guess what happens when you get older? Yep. Your eyeballs, they stop functioning. Got it. They do. But yeah, the the whole interacting thing, I still don't understand why people have such a problem with that. It's the greatest thing. It's a smaller object inside of a bigger object. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think of these things as things containing other things, it really makes sense. Yeah, but that's spatial awareness, buddy, and we don't expect people who are blind to have spatial awareness. Yeah, no. no. Oh, no. Heaven forbid. I'm an ROP baby. I'm supposed to have spatial awareness problems. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And you apparently don't. So you figured it out. Good job. (laughs) I know I'm brave and wonderful. Buddy, buddy's pointed it all out to you guys that he's supposed to apparently have spatial awareness issues and he gets interacting. So stop your Mm -hmm. belly aching. I mean, as long as you know what types of items you have to interact with, and there's really seven types that you just need to know. And if you know you come across them, then you should kind of yep. train yourself 
to interact when you're, you know, table, you know, scroll area, browser, etc. Right. And if you have hints turned on, it'll tell you yes. to interact you with go. it. There you go. I actually have some friends who um, recently switched to the Mac and they got so frustrated with the hints that they just turned them off. And now and I, they're frustrated because they don't remember what. Exactly. Um, I'm always yelling at my clients because when they say that to me, well, can you turn off excuse. the hints? It's like, no, no, don't. When you're an experienced user, then yeah. But when you're a newbie, yeah. don't turn off the hints. They do more of a service to you. Use your ears. Right. We're blind. They're there to help you. Yes, we're blind. Exactly. Listen. They're there to give hints. Yes. I don't understand <laughs> this thing about blind people. You, you know, you're supposed to listen. Oh, they don't want to. No. No, they don't want to listen. Everything should just work without me having to do anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why should I have to put forth any effort? Right. Isn't it hard enough that I'm blind? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. I'm blind, you know. <laughs> That's right. Hey, speaking of listening, buddy, I think we're going to move to something that requires you to use your ears exclusively. No? Um, Yeah. In fact, this entire podcast requires you to use your ears exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> but you have this interview with somebody or another, don't you? Yeah. I get to interview the producer for something else's Papa Sangre, too. Oh. Nice. Which you can get cheap from the App Store, and then you can listen to things. I've never played this and, game, but um, I'm... I wish I had time. To I play haven't gotten these around games. to playing number two. I, I played number one, and yeah. Oh, number two is great. You really I should. I've heard this. Allison, have you played? I have played one, but not two. I have to get two. I own all three of their games. I have the Nightjar as well, but I haven't had a uh-huh. chance to play it either. But it has Sherlock Holmes in it, so that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, buddy. I think you really, really would enjoy the second one. I mean, besides the fact that it's Sean Bean, because he's just got this. <laughs> oh, he's awesome. Nice. I got. I want to get it just yeah. for that. <laughs> but they're former <laughs> radio guys. Like that's what this company yeah. did. Prior to becoming iOS game developers, I think it's cool that they got such great voice talent signed on to do this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. What is he from? Yeah, he, Sherlock from Holmes. The, oh, sure, okay. Sherlock Holmes. He's okay. Sherlock. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, it's a testament to how radio and doing radio really impacts sound and quality. So, absolutely, it's pretty great. I'm hearing that two is more challenging, and so I definitely it want is. to this. Very want to give much it a so. go. Because one, I, I beat one pretty quickly, but <laughs> two, I, I want to give it a try. Let's hear Alina's interview. Go for it. Take it away, Alina. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this month's interview for Triple Click Home. Today, I am joined by Mr. Tom Green of Something Else, makers of Papa Sangre 2, and he is their game director and producer. So welcome to the podcast, Tom. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, we really appreciate you joining us. Papa Sangre 2 is probably one of the most popular games in the blind community today. We also did the appreciation for something else came back when you guys released the first Papa Sangre, and then you came out with the Nightjar. And I think that the gaming platform on iOS has really opened a lot of doors for those of us who want to play video games, because prior to iOS, we really didn't have a lot of options. There are PC games that are accessible to blind users, but it's not very popular. And I feel like we have a lot more game options on iOS. So even though you guys didn't necessarily make your game for us, 
we certainly appreciate that we're able to play it. Good. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you guys decided as a team to come out with games that were exclusively based on your ears? So something else as a company, uh, we were historically, we're a radio production company. So we've always been oh, okay. experts in audio and very, very passionate about audio. There's about 60, 70 people in the company now. And audio has been at its core for the 25 years that we've been going. But we've also got a real reputation for innovation and sort of pushing the boundaries in the kind of digital space. So it was almost inevitable, I suppose, that eventually we would choose to do an audio-only game and uh, that sort of totally almost rewrote the rules about what a game could be and how, how you use sound for gaming. So that's really kind of where it came from, a sort of stroke of genius from our chief creative officer, Paul Bennon, who really can take the credit for the genesis of Papa Sangre and then a lot of really clever and creative people that have contributed to it sort of through Papa 1, Nigel, and then Papa Sangre 2, which is where I've really come on board to take part. So yeah, that would be how we ended up with Papa Sangre. Okay, and that's fantastic. And one of the things that I'm sure you get rave reviews about is how awesome the sound is, because that's, for me, one of the great things about it is not only is it a solely audio game, but the sound quality is just pretty amazing. I uh, really appreciate that you guys went to all that trouble. I think it would be um, a bit of a shame if we went to the trouble of making an audio game, but didn't use good audio. So it was obviously <laughs> um, a lot of work and sort of um, redoing things until they're good enough uh, went into making sure that, as you say, the audio is sort of first class and really stands up to the game that it creates. So yeah, it was really important to us to really paint a picture with audio, make it super realistic, because if we were using sort of dodgy sounds, then it, it would kind of undermine the whole thing. Indeed. So from my perspective, obviously, I have to use my ears for pretty much everything that I do. But what would you say the process for the game development was for you guys to kind of take yourselves out of that visual component? So Papa Sangre has kind of evolved since Papa 1 through Nightjar and then Papa 2. I can only speak in detail about Papa 2 because that's the game that I've sort of owned. But okay, really, sure. really where we started for Papa 2 was taking what had been achieved on Papa 1 and the Nightjar and seeing what really worked, what people loved, and what could be done better, and then particularly how the technology had moved on and how we could use that to really kind of supercharge the sort of audio-only experience that we'd sort of invented, uh, or not, maybe not invented, uh-huh. but you know the PAPA model that PAPA 1 and Nightjar were based around, how do we sort of really make that much more sophisticated? So that's where I kind of came in. Obviously, it was my first... Uh, audio-only game, but I had the benefit of, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants of, you know, what had been done with Papa and Nightjar and other audio games. Okay. By trade, I, I'm a radio producer, so I, oh, I have okay. a, a deep appreciation of audio and understanding of it, but it was a very steep learning curve as well, kind of just when you sort of talk about creating a situation in audio or, you know, a, a kind of game design situation and then going away and sort of scratching your head and thinking about how you actually do it and realising how many more constraints there are, I take for granted, you know, having visual feedback. Right. So having to suddenly go, right, well, there is no visual feedback. So actually, how do we get this message across? 
And it very much, that would then inform the game design a lot because certain things lend themselves to audio feedback more than others. So we had to sort of, you know, very much work those two aspects together to create things that would be understandable in audio, but also interesting in audio. For sure. And it's interesting. I was thinking about the fact that I've showed the game to a number of my sighted friends and some of the reactions are, I don't know what to do with myself. Like there's nothing on the screen. Yeah. How do I make this work? And I often tell them to close their eyes because I think that that way they're not worried about it and they can just utilize their ears to hear. Yeah. I mean, I got a sort of a reputation in the office as the guy that was always spinning on his chair with his eyes closed for the most of 2013. So I guess I'm able to immerse myself anywhere. But yeah, it's totally, it's a really new experience if you're not used to that. And it's a bit like, again, going back to radio, if you're used to sort of studying radio, you're kind of used to a bit more sort of shutting out all other stimuluses and just sitting in a dark room and listening to a piece of audio. Um, So I guess I had a slight head start there because that's kind of something that I I studied radio growing up and I've obviously always sort of been interested in that medium. But yeah, it's quite alien if you're totally not used to doing anything like that. Okay. So one of the things that the community appreciates about Papa Sangre too is that you guys did mention in your, um, the information on iTunes actually mentions that it's compatible with voiceover. And what was that like for the team? Was it a challenge to incorporate voiceover? I personally play without it on most of the time because it doesn't seem to be always necessary, but it's definitely great that I can turn voiceover on if I need it. Yeah. On the sort of technical side, I probably shouldn't talk out of turn for my developer by saying, oh, it's really easy because he would probably (laughs) beg to differ. But again, we had the learnings from Papa One Uh and we spoke to a, a lot of voiceover users on sort of getting their feedback on the Papa One experience. Okay. And sort of looking to tweak it. And generally, I think we found actually Apple's interface pretty good for building it into our game. We did spend a while sort of wondering about, do you try and make all the additional instructions in-game with, say, Sean Bean, who's the star of Papa Two? Do we have him record all the sort of extra instructions? But actually, our feedback from testing with and speaking to people that use voiceover was actually we realized that one of the beautiful things about voiceover is that you can put it on super fast Indeed. and you, you get very used to absorbing that information in a very very short period of time which i as a non-voiceover user wouldn't have expected so actually if we get sean bean to do it in his the voice of the game voice yes. it would take about 10 times longer to get through all the information and actually that's not a great experience if you're a voiceover user. So that was one of the sort of reasons that we decided not to try and be too clever. Okay. And sort of overthink it. But actually, Apple's technology do the job because it's actually much more fit for purpose. I you, you may have uh, your own opinion on that. I'm definitely the person that listens to about, I think my uh, average is about 400 words per minute. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was something that we learned quite quickly. Like it wouldn't have occurred to me until I started speaking to uh, people that use it and, and watching them and realizing sort of how different it is to how I use my iPhone in that respect. So uh, yeah, that was a big learning for us. Okay. Well, I think my final question for you is maybe talk about how you guys came up with this particular storyline and what inspired you to create the story itself. Cause that's a big part of the game, obviously. It's a big part of the game, a big question as well. And uh, it was probably the hardest thing, actually, in the whole project was the sort of 
trying to find a, a way of presenting the story that was interesting and unusual and sort of fitted the world that we were sort of looking to create. Papa One had its own sort of story and angle and right. actually we decided Papa One, if you don't know, was had a sort of Mexican theme. Indeed, um, yes. Sort of Mexican Day of the Dead theme and, and actually it was a conscious decision not to be too literal with a sort of sequel in terms of a sort of setting because actually the Mexican theme obviously gives you lots of audio sort of themes that you can build things around and sort of tropes as it were and that really led to the wonderful atmosphere of Papa Sangre uh-huh. and you know that sort of feeling and the accents used and it was very you know it had a really strong sort of, sort of right. audio brand but actually we didn't want to carry on with that because actually it's quite limiting what you know what we'd sort of done it so we were like well, well let's take it somewhere totally different let's make a really sort of British game and have a sort of gruff northern uh, Sean Bean as the voice and all these quite quaint very British scenes and and let's be a bit mysterious about what Papa Sangre is is he a person or a uh-huh. god or a bit like and actually be sort of loose on the connection between Papa One and Papa Two and it being more of a you know Papa Sangre is a state of mind as much as a game so which is uh, maybe a bit over the top but yeah, so that was kind of where we came from. And then obviously we wanted to create a story that had lots of possibilities for setting the game in different locations, which was how we kind of came up with the kind of memory theme that runs through the game and allowed us to jump very quickly from level to level to totally different scenarios. Sure. And again, that kind of goes back to how we moved the game on from Papa Sangre in terms of um, having a, a much wider variety of types of gameplay, partly because... Um, the technology had moved on and allowed us to do much more kind of complicated things with the audio and which just meant that we could be quite ambitious in terms of creating a house that's on fire or a submarine right that's sinking which is what we we've used in papasangre too very cool do you have any final things that you want to add for our listeners i don't know if you're aware but the game was on metacritic which aggregates all the reviews it's the highest rated game in the world for 2013 hey all right but yeah we're congratulations proud of that thank you very much well tom i really appreciate you joining us for this month's podcast no worries uh people are going to be really excited to hear from somebody on the papa sangre team so could you tell our listeners what's the best way for them to learn more about what something else does? Yeah, sure. And thanks a lot for having me. Obviously, Papa Sangre, if you've not got it, you can get it on the App Store. to search for Papa Sangre. That's P-A-P-A space S-A-N-G-R-E. And you should find Papa Sangre, Papa Sangre 2, and also The Nightjar. We've also got another audio game, which is coming up very soon, actually. So um, we're really excited to be unveiling details of that anytime, any day now. All so. right. Keep an eye on our Twitter feed, which is at Voice of SE for something else. That's uh, our kind of company feed, and we'll be announcing that. But also, if you're following Papa Sangre's Twitter feed, I expect he may well be uh, interacting with the new game. It's not part of the Papa series, it's slightly different, but we're really excited about it. So that should be out very soon. Great. And is there a website that people should visit for the most up to date information? Uh, yeah, in terms of website, uh, uh has all the information about Papa and uh, should hopefully be unveiling the new game uh, any day now as well. Sounds good. So yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Alina. That was a great interview and y'all keep looking for more interviews because we're going to have more interviews and more 
more stuff like this. So this is exciting stuff. Other exciting things that are happening, though, are there's a group in Washington State that is researching alternate input methods, and they're doing it with a game. Yeah, Digitaps. Um, It's a free game. It's called Digitaps, and it's really harder than it sounds. Part of the reason that it's harder than it sounds is because you can't delete your gestures and start over. It's like once you're committed, you're committed. So basically how it works is, is you go through the training, and it gives you methods to input numbers and they involve addition and subtraction of fingers and yes. and um, this sort of thing. So once you start playing, it'll give you a string of numbers and you put the string of numbers in and at times how many numbers you got right and how quickly you did it. And I think I get like two out of five or something because like I entered seven instead of four or something like that. And you can't do a do-over. It's like once you do it, you're committed and so it really is harder than it sounds, but it's kind of fun. It's also a research project, so you guys are helping it is a out research researchers. Project. Yeah, yeah. I want to check it out. Yeah, I'm going to have to check it out. It is very challenging. I got very frustrated very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it, it's challenging, and it's a funny thing is it doesn't sound like it will be like when you're going through the training. Okay, okay, I get how to enter this number. It's yeah, right. Seven is three plus three plus one. Or uh-huh. else it's um, 10 minus 3 or whatever, whichever method yeah. you use. And it's, okay, yeah, I can do that. I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> and then you do it, and it's like, no, I can't. can't do this. <laughs> Not quite. Sad. But it's fun. So, yeah, go get this game and help these guys out. Definitely. I have some sad news, guys. Hate to end my, my section here on a downer, but Flappy Bird was pulled from the app store by the developer. It was an addictive, addictive product and it ruined yeah. his life. Huh. If I was making the kind of money he was making every day, it wouldn't ruin my life. I can tell you that. Yeah, what, what, I, I still you know, don't right get the whole flappy bird and why it was pulled. And well, okay, I first of all, cave. I don't think any of us knew anything about flappy bird. Cause it's certainly it's not, not playable accessible. by us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I felt like I lived in a cave. However, I find it hilarious that he pulled it for being addictive because Candy Crush just went in to get an IPO for $500 million because their game is addictive. Yes. What good game is that? It's like a cultural thing or something. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, if I was making $50,000 a day in ad revenue, I'd be okay with it. He was making $50,000 a day? A day. No, no, wait. Yes, a day. Is. 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 Is still. Because he didn't turn the ads off, so people who are still playing it... (gasps) Are still getting the ad impression, the so he's still making $50,000 a day. Oh, way. you oh little. God. I want to punch this guy. And he's guy. still I'm living sorry. with his parents or something. <laughs> no, not to, he's still living at home with his mom. What? Not to advocate violence here, but I want to punch this guy. I thought the whole point of developing a game was so that people will play it. Yes. Is it addiction kind it of is. the point? <laughs> but apparently he wanted it to be a game that people only played for a few minutes a day. And people and then, started playing it a lot more than a few minutes a day. And he guy. didn't want to be responsible for people's addictions. Oh. I'm like, dude. Oh, what an idiot. <laughs> you created an iOS game. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah. All right. If he feels so bad, he could give me some of that $50,000 a day. Yeah. 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 If you're, if you're so upset about your $50,000 yeah. a day. Brandon.name. <laughs> <laughs> I'll happily take it off your yeah. hands. If you yes. feel guilty about it, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it for you. Give Don't it worry. away. That'll yeah. help. The, yeah. the, the, the uh, seriously, is he going to give it all the way to charity? 
Because that's what he, he should do. Not. If he's got this like yeah, conscious, the, the Buddy Brandon that's... relief fund, I believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For business. The Allison Hartley works for the state and needs more money. <laughs> <laughs> the John Pennery's because he's blind fund. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So when I went to Denver the other a uh, couple weeks ago, this always happens to me, and I don't know if it happens to all, all of you guys, but somebody on the plane. It's inevitable. Will come up to me and say, "God bless you." Yes. And yes. Yeah. And did they try to give you Maybe money? Maybe I shouldn't be offended, but it really, really pisses me off. Did they try to give you money though? No. Oh, sadly. I've had. You know, I've never been that fortunate. Nobody has ever tried. To no, nobody's ever tried to give me money. Oh, I've had it really? happen a couple of times. Yeah, a couple of times. Wow. You know, honestly, that's when I would go. Well. Do I take the money because yeah. they want to give it to me? Wait, 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 wait. Let me take <laughs> my I... hat off here. You can put the money in the hat and we'll make this look legit. <laughs> Where's my tin pan? Yeah, should I start playing uh, some music? Yeah, and, uh... yeah. I'll tap dance for you, too. <laughs> yes, to all of our sighted listeners, whoever you are, we really don't like when you do that because it makes us feel like you're pitying us. Yeah, and I don't yeah. want your pity. No. Yeah. Please, Mm-mm. you know, when I have people who come up to me and say, oh, God, it must be so hard to be blind. Oh, it is. That's when I go, you know what? It is a challenge. You're correct. But it's been my life. So I don't look at it that way anymore. And it's I, I really would It's a lot better than the alternative. <laughs> mm-hmm. I shouldn't tell the story, but somebody said that to me. I was with my brother. I was out someplace with my brother and friends, and somebody said is something. Is this your brother the cop? Yeah, and one of my brothers is a cop. And somebody said that to me. Oh, it must really be difficult being blind. And my brother leans over, and I don't know if the person heard it or not, but he goes to me, it must really be difficult to be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's like when people say, you know... It must be great to be able to take your dog everywhere with you. And I say, yeah, well, you know, I'll tell you what, you can have a dog just like this. Uh, we can arrange for that to happen, but I don't think you'd like the arrangement. Yeah. It would be quite painful. Yeah. Then the guy says, oh, yeah, well, you know, my dog would just pee all over the place. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. See, we can go out back there and I can poke your eyes out and then you can get a dog just like this. Right. Yeah. Be- oh, no, no, I wouldn't like that. I told you you wouldn't like it. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah exactly. Boy, isn't it neat that you get to take your dog everywhere. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you don't even get it. Like, there yeah. are so many reasons for me why I have a guide dog. And one of them is like, this is the cool part of me being blind, okay? <laughs> this is this is one of those, I get this. What do you get? Ha. Well, one of them is not having random people come up to me and tell me how wonderful it is that I can take my dog with me everywhere. Yes. <laughs> Or I had a dog that looks just like that, except that my dog was black and smaller and female. <laughs> those are and my a different favorite breed people. entirely. <laughs> yep, I love those people. I swear it's just like having a baby. This is why I tell people I, I have children. They just happen to have fur and four legs because <laughs> honestly, and no that's all thumbs. we talk about. <laughs> yeah, we don't discuss Alina. Nope. Nope. What's the dog's name? Or. <laughs> Oh, how long have you had the dog? How old is the dog? Like, okay. Oh, when well. I first started dating Melanie, and I'm so glad she's a good sport. When I first started dating <laughs> Melanie, we'd be out in a store somewhere, and you know, someone would say, "Oh, hi, what's your beautiful friend's name?" There, I said, "Oh, that's Melanie," and they'd be like, "Wait, is that the dog?" Or is that- oh, oh, you want the dog? Oh, no, the dog's name is Carl. 
<laughs> My friend used to say the dog's name is Kitty, and people would be like, "Hi, Kitty! Hi, Kitty!" <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those people that hasn't come up with a special name for the dog, no, but I, I know I a lot do of people it. do. I can't I do can't it do either. That. I, I think mine is going to be Balthazar. Balthazar. <laughs> <laughs> Every so often I tell people that my dog's name is Tralfaz. Tralfaz, yeah. Tralfaz. Tralfaz. <laughs> yeah, oh, but now that. we're doing those, one of those, our famous triple click home tangents. So maybe we should. Yeah. So maybe we should come back after the break. And do that whole mailbag thing. Me, a cat moving in with a new human. It took a little getting used to. She has these weird games she likes to play, like this giant feather. She sticks it in my face. I swat it away. She sticks it in my face. I swat it away. It's almost like she thinks I enjoy it. But seeing how much fun she gets out of it, well, I guess it makes it all worth it. Humans. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Triple Click Home. I want to say thank you because I think this is seriously the largest amount of feedback we've ever had. So apparently you guys are all By listening far. and our requests for feedback are finally coming in. So Woo-hoo. thank you. Woohoo! We got lots of people telling us about how to turn the weather on. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, so first of all, thank you for all the eye reports. We also got a number of blog comments and emails. So All of our text-based ones we'll make sure to put in our show notes for you guys to read through. We're going to start with an eye report, and there were many that told us about weather because I mentioned that it wasn't showing up in my notification center. So we're going to play an eye report from David Dobler to let us know how do you actually make that fix. This is David Dobler. Just a little tip for you iPhone users. I was listening to Triple Click Home yesterday and noticed they were talking about not seeing the weather in the notifications view. If you go into settings and go to to your notifications and you swipe right till you see today view, make sure that's on. Make sure summary view is on. And of course, notifications view is on. And you will see your weather in the uh, lock screen or in the notifications view there. Enjoyed the podcast yesterday. It was pretty funny about the iCoffee. I thought that was a cute idea. Anyway, I appreciate all of you very much enjoying the podcast. For the Ceratop podcasts are wonderful. And uh, keep up the good work. Just to let you know, I really appreciate all that you do. And have a wonderful day, and I'll talk to you another time. God bless. And then from the weather to Learning Ally, which has no relationship whatsoever. There is another eye report from Chris who lets us know that he's just as frustrated with the fact that Learning Ally's app currently doesn't really allow you to skip back a short amount of time or forward a short amount of time. And when you're doing textbook stuff, that's really, really frustrating. So apparently he did talk with people at Learning Ally, and I'll let him tell you guys what he found out. So take it away, Chris. Hello, Sarah Talk podcasters and all ye listeners out there. This is Chris Nussbaum from Maryland, this time with a couple of comments for Triple Click Home. 
First of all, guys, I can completely relate to your rant about the Learning Ally app, considering that I have a textbook on there for my AP U.S. History class, which is the only way I can access that is through Learning Ally, and I am finding that the inability to rewind and fast forward in the Learning Ally app is definitely a pain, and uh, I will definitely write to the developers of that app with that feedback. I also have a question about Twitterific and TweetList and other Twitter apps and things and updating to iOS 7. So I actually used Twitterific for a long time on iOS 6 with my old iPhone 4S and really liked it for my personal account. And then when I upgraded to iOS 7, I found that Twitterific was not working well at all. It would load very slowly if it loaded at all. And most of the time what it would do is it would try to load, try to load, try to load for a couple minutes, and then it would eventually crash, and I would be taken out of the app and back to my home screen, which was really annoying. But I haven't tried it since I got my iPhone 5C, and I was curious to know if anybody has had any issues with Twitterific doing something similar on an iPhone 5C or 5S, one of the newer iPhone models uh, with iOS 7, whether this was a Twitterific problem or whether it was just a problem with my iPhone 4S and um, its ability to work with iOS 7. Um, I ended up switching over to TweetList when I was asked to run the Twitter account for the National Federation of the Blind of Maryland when we did our state convention, and um, I found that TweetList was working a lot better with multiple accounts. Thank you for all those cards and letters. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for actually sending in information to us this time. We really do appreciate all your feedback, and... I want to make sure that you guys know that we're always listening. So if you have suggestions or ideas or answers to our questions that we might pop up in the podcast, please either send us an email to resources at zerotalk.com. You can leave a comment on our website, which is tripleclickhome.com. You can call the blab line, buddy. What's the blab line number? I'm glad you asked, Alina. <laughs> the blab line is at 866-997-BLAB. That's 866-997-2522. You can also leave us an iReport using your iPhone or iOS device or your Android device if you feel... <coughs> Actually, it has to be really an iPhone because it makes a phone oh. call. Yes. Yeah. It works. Oh, Okay iPhone. Yes, you can't do it on any other device. Only your iPhone. (laughs) And uh, you can also send us a tweet. And uh, does anybody have our latest 
numbers? Six thousand nine hundred and twenty-five. Wow. Woo-hoo. Almost seven grand. All right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so exciting. That's amazing. Thank you, all you almost seven thousand people who follow Triple Click Home. You I don't even rock. have a percentage of that. I don't even have a fraction of that. <laughs> Y'all follow John. He needs some love. <laughs> he does. <laughs> I think I have it like 82 or something like that. You need to post more, John. You guys get I to know. finish it up with our odds and ends. So, yeah. All right, buddy. You take it from here. Oh, I got to find myself. <laughs> right, here we are. Put down your smartphone and talk to somebody. <laughs> this article was really actually pretty interesting. Why you should put down your smartphone and talk to a stranger. Counterintuitively, this article says that... Um, Actually, people who talk to strangers, which is something your mother told you not to do, makes you happier. Does it? Depends on the stranger. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say. depend on the stranger. <laughs> I really enjoy talking to people when I'm on a plane, and I think that's because I'm yeah. sitting next to them the entire time. Captive audience. But mm-hmm. I'm one of those people who gets on the bus and puts my earbuds in my head, or in my ears, not in my head. Yes. I guess it's kind of in my head. Because I'm the kind of person where... If I sit down on the bus and there are two empty seats on the bus, the weirdo will pick the one next to me. Yes. <laughs> yep. I know. I know. And they so then I put in my earbuds people. and then I hope, I hope that the people realize that I have earbuds in and then I try and ignore them for the entire duration of my trip. Yep. But then they start talking to your dog or, or telling you how they had a dog just like yours, except that <gasps> theirs was black and smaller. Yes. And- so I don't know. I feel like as a blind person, talking to strangers doesn't always bode well for us. No. Sometimes, but sometimes not. Yeah. I've definitely met really interesting people. Like I said, I, I usually enjoy talking to people when I'm on the plane, especially if it's just me who's flying somewhere. Right. Yeah. Like I uh, on the way home from Denver, I got to meet one of our former reporters who works for who worked for the television stations up in Portland. And I'm oh. like, oh, that's, That's kind of fancy. <laughs> sometimes you meet interesting people, and, and by interesting, we don't necessarily mean weird. And sometimes you meet interesting people, and by interesting, we do mean weird. Right. So Very weird, yeah. <laughs> Especially on the train. I take a train to and from work, and I'm pretty much zoned out on my iPhone the whole time. And that's okay, because so are most of the other people on the train. <laughs> yes, but they would all be a lot happier if they talked to each other instead of zoning out on their iPhone. So says this article. <laughs> yeah. Or there would be a fight. (laughs) This is one of these articles that there's always been this huge argument, as long as I've been following technology and our connected lifestyle, that technology disconnects us from each other and technology does not bring us together and, in fact, insulates us from each other. I would argue that that's not necessarily the case. I would say that uh, technology makes our world a lot smaller in a lot of cases, so I don't know. It's an interesting argument anyway. I think there are definitely times when families need to put down their devices. Yeah. Definitely um, at dinner time and, and stuff and like that. And actually talk to each right. other. That I agree with. Yes. Yeah. Time yeah. and place and all that. And when you're talking on your cell phone, by the way, there's not any, any need for you to speak more loudly. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to hear what you're talking about. Thank you. I'm sure you're fascinated by it, but we don't need to know, too. And, and a lot of times we don't want to know. Yes. <laughs> I still live in this world where I hate that I oftentimes don't know if somebody's talking on their cell phone or if they're yes. talking to That's me. The worst. 
It's the most If somebody's coming out of a building and they're like, Hi. like, I'm walking down the street and somebody says hello or how are you doing? If I don't answer them, then I feel like I'm being rude, but they're usually not talking to me. And then you say, so sorry, excuse, excuse me, there's this weird woman that keeps talking to me. I'm so, you know. I actually had somebody say once, oh, sorry, I confused a blind person. I feel so bad. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> it's okay. I confused an intelligent person. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I confused you with an intelligent person. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, the- yes. <laughs> hey, speaking of intelligent people, I think we found a time capsule. Yeah, you know, right. we talked about this several months ago. Yeah, that's right, with the six-pack of beer. <laughs> that's right, yes. There's a six-pack of beer in the Lisa Mouse. They finally dug it up. Right, they found it because they said the land had shifted hands and they didn't have permission uh-huh. initially to dig on it and they finally were able to do it. And, so and they, they, found they it. weren't exactly sure where on that piece yeah, of property that right. it was buried. Mm-hmm. And they found Steve Jobs' original mouse from the Lisa as well as, uh, what did they say? It was an issue of, was it Reader's Digest? Or am I mistaking that? Or was it another magazine? I don't know. I know there was the six-pack of beer. There, there was the definitely <laughs> a, the six-pack of beer. It wasn't even good beer, was it? No. It was like Ballantine's was, or yeah, something, something, wasn't like it? Really crappy beer. <laughs> I was going to say, the unfortunate reality is that it's probably still drinkable. Probably. probably, yeah. I mean, that's assuming you think it's drinkable in the first place. Either that, but... I just found the cure to cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Thirty-year-old beer, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, it's probably not very cold either. Being yeah. stuck underground, probably there not. <laughs> oh no, actually, it's probably very cold because well, that's the thing about the ground. Like, all you have to be is like five or six inches under the ground, and you've got this constant temperature because oh. that's how good the Earth is at regulating itself. And I know this because I was listening to a, a great Radio Lab podcast on the day that the meteor hit and killed the dinosaurs and basically anything that was under the earth at least i think it was either like between six inches to a foot they were all good because the temperature just didn't get too hot for them so are you saying that um, all those wackos that built the bomb shelters are are, are in good shape (laughs) uh probably till they run out of supplies (laughs) yeah which supplies triple click home thanks for tuning in again and uh, taking part of your day with us. Be sure to tune in next month when we have lots more Apple news and iOS news and Mac news and and maybe an interesting interview or so and uh, about this time next month. Maybe we'll know about iOS 7.1. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, I hope so. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash home. You can send us email to resources at serotalk.com. You can uh, leave comments on our blog or on the Blab line, 866-997-2522. I'm Buddy Brandon, and you can follow my personal Twitter account at twitter.com slash bbrannon. That's B-B-R-A-N-N-A-N. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash blindperspective. That's B-L-I-N-D-P-E-R-S-P-E-C-T-I-V. You can follow me at twitter.com slash macfortheblind. And he promises to tweet more. I will do my best. he must. (laughs) And you can follow me on Twitter at Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N, FM, like FM radio, 1985. Yay! 
And I, I really want to thank Allison for joining us this month. It was a lot of fun. We hope you will uh, join us again another month. Thank you. I'd love Definitely. to. I had so much yeah. fun. And uh, we'd like to thank all of y'all for listening and for tuning in. Bring your friends and thank you so, so much for following us on Twitter. Close to 7,000 of y'all following That's us incredible. on Twitter. That just blows my tiny mind. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, we love all of y'all. So keep those cards and letters coming. We'll see you next month. This podcast brought to you in part by the words Reaper and Windows and by the number seven. (laughs) 